Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to this special Policy Forum Pod Extra. Policy Forum Pod is the podcast for all those who want to dig a little deeper into the policy challenges facing Australia and its region. I'm Julia Ahrens. Policy Forum Pod, of course, comes to you from Crawford School of Public Policy, Asia and the Pacific's leading graduate policy school. And if you want to enter the wide world of policymaking, we might just have the right program for you. Check out our wide range of short courses and degrees at crawford.anu.edu.au forward slash study. Now, you might be asking why we're here in your pod feeds on a Wednesday instead of our usual Friday. It's because today we're bringing you a very special interview that we're keen to share with you. Don't worry, our regular podcast will be back on Friday. On today's pod extra, though, we are going to be speaking with Dr. Tayana O'Donnell, the director of Future Earth Australia. Future Earth Australia is an initiative based at the Australian Academy of Sciences that aims to bring together Australian researchers, governments, industry and NGOs to help tackle some of the big sustainability questions facing society. Tayana is joining us today to talk about how we might go about shaping our cities, embedding sustainability in our societies and the power of individual actions. The change that we see in our cities is quite rapid and with growing numbers of people moving into our urban centres, the sustainability challenges are only growing as well. At the end of November, Future Earth Australia will launch its Urban Systems Transformation Plan to help governments and policymakers in mapping out what our future cities might look like. And if you're interested in sustainability, you might also want to check out Policy Forum's In Focus Sustainability section. In this special section, we brought together heaps of absolutely terrific policy forum pieces, digging deeper into whether the region's policies are viable, if they can be upcycled, and what it will take to create a greener future. But for now, let's meet our guest. Hi, Tayana. Good to have you. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Tayana, can you tell us a bit about Future Earth Australia? What is the aim of the initiative? Future Earth Australia is one of the many nodes that sit uh, in a global network uh, called Future Earth. And Future Earth's main aim is to embed sustainability into our societal practices. It does that by bringing together researchers, industry, governments around the world on cutting-edge sustainability topics. Uh, here in Australia, we've been quite focused on the urban and urban systems and sustainable cities and regions as one of our areas where we're looking to engage across disciplines and across sectors to really push uh, the the boundaries, um, I suppose, in, in how we think about our cities and how we live uh, now and into the future. How is Future Earth different from other sustainability programs? We focus – Future Earth, I suppose, 
um, I need to go back and give a little bit of history to give the context. So Future Earth is the latest uh, name and agenda for a program that has existed for about 30 years under various names. Um, and it's been hosted by the International Science Council. So that's a global consortium of scientists uh, who work um, quite closely together on advancing science. And there's been a number of shifts in that space. So the International Science Council now comprises both the physical and biological sciences and the social sciences. So all of the sciences are brought together. Uh, that's quite significant in, in how scientists think about themselves and perceive themselves in the world and how the world perceives them. So all the sciences have come together quite recently. And Future Earth has a global program that sits um, underneath the, or, or within, I suppose is a better way to think about that, uh, within the International Science Council is a network that is dedicated to sustainability. But in, in doing that, it, it really is um, motivated and concerned to bridge disciplinary silos and to bridge industry and government and policy silos and private sector silos. So a lot of our work is in um, creating opportunities, um, convening different groups, co-producing, co-designing uh, particular things or, or events in order to break down those silos and bring everybody along on the journey as much as we can. It sounds very, very important what, what you're doing, particularly, uh, particularly around breaking down silos. We've discussed this on the podcast recently as well, and our, our panellists have also mentioned how important that concept is in if you want to make any progress on sustainability. But I'd like to bring it back a bit to what Future Earth Australia does in the urban context. And um, when we talk about a sustainable city, what could that look like, in your opinion? Hmm. It's an ideal picture, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a vexed question. Um, and the reason it is vexed is because all cities are different. Uh, and even within cities, there are little microcosms of places that are important to people in different ways. And so you might think of a city as a nested scale of places and spaces in which people and and other entities interact. Um, and, and so thinking about cities as nested scales means, and in, and in an Australian context, which of course is quite different to most cities around the world, uh, Australia is um, is spread out. It's, it's a big country and our cities are uh, centred mainly on coastlines and they're quite concentrated. Um, but the nested scalar idea is critically important everywhere, but especially in Australia because we rely so heavily on our rural and regional uh, industries, particularly agriculture, but others as well, to support the infrastructure or the system of a city. So the cities rely in a way also on the rural infrastructure in that it, sense. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, and so that's, that's one important concept or way to think about a city as a nested scalar entity. And closely aligned with that is the idea that cities are very complex and self-sustaining, self-realising, in fact, places. They are becoming so dynamic and changing so rapidly that it's almost, they are changing so dynamically and so rapidly that cities 
the way cities look now will be very different even in 10 years or 15 years or 20 years' time. The scale of and rate of change is so rapid um, that to pin down a here is an ideal city, by the time you do that, I, I suspect that that idea will almost be updated because the city as an, a, an almost living, breathing entity in its own right will have moved on in its own direction. Um, and, and so that's what makes cities interesting and vibrant um, and important, particularly in the context of sustainability. Um, we're going to have quite significant populations living in cities. We're already seeing that, that significant trend of populations out of rural and regional areas and into cities. And if we think and about... And internationally as well, of course, like lots of overseas migrants coming to cities as well. I think for cities around the world, there is a rate and scale of change that is almost unprecedented. Uh, city scholars have said, you know, for many years, decades now, cities will be the hub. People will move and migrate to cities. And certainly that that is being reflected now. Um, through a sustainability lens, there are critical things to think about. And some of those critical things uh, are things like water security, uh, infrastructure and transport, um, tree canopies, food, how we think about food security and what that means to feed a city. Uh, and if we can't get, if we pick water, which is particularly relevant in an Australian context, but, but those thematic areas apply, I would argue, to most cities around the world. But let's pick water for Australia. Um, we are a dry continent that will increase under climate change and climate change impacts. So we have to think very carefully about where our water goes and how we use it. And if most people are living in cities, then it would be logical, one might argue, that the majority of water should go into cities. And if that happens, then more people will come to cities because their towns are drying up. So you start to see a system. It's a bit of a circle really then, yeah. Well, it is. It's, it's, it's a, a system where all the different parts are dependent on the other. And indeed, that's how societies have functioned for millennia anyway. Mm. Um, but that is coming to a head, uh, I think. And, and certainly we will see some of the impacts of that over the next 10, 20, 30 years as uh, climate change is increasingly felt and known, as populations continue to grow, uh, as countries continue to urbanise and as technology um, has its its impact, which um, is interesting, but we don't quite know exactly how the digital and technology um, aspects of those city systems will change the way we think about cities. One of our panellists last time on the podcast was talking about future beyond city living, and he was kind of throwing the idea into the room that we might might even move start moving out of cities at a certain stage in the future now that we get back better access to internet, better access to information, right at our homes, even if we are in more rural areas nowadays. What do you think of that idea? Oh, I think it's a very romantic idea and it's one that um, I entertain with my family quite regularly, <laughs> um, <laughs> to be honest. And, and there's a certain appeal with that. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a logic and evidence to support the logic uh, for the argument that people will work in different ways. We won't necessarily all uh, travel into a city centre by 9am 
work and then travel out of a city centre at 5, 6 or 7pm and go home to sleep. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at UH1.com. We will work in different ways. That is true. Whether that means that people will be in Australia, let's pick an Australian context, um, whether that means that people in Australia will be living one, two, three hours out of a city centre, maybe. Maybe some people will. But I think the infrastructure challenges like water and food are huge, yeah. are so significant um, that that will make life difficult for people living in rural and regional areas. And I think that would apply, um, I think that would be magnified, you know, by the order of of some quite significant order, you know, maybe 10 or 100, I'm not sure. Um, but for city folk who have never lived rurally or regionally, I think there is a romanticism to going and buying five or 10 acres or renting or however you... Get building their own little farm. And have a farm yeah. and, you know, have your chickens and, and things like that. But there is a reality to living on the land here and that reality can be quite harsh at times. Something that we see on the news quite frequently at the moment with the droughts. That's right. Yeah. Mm. Tayana, let's turn to the launch of Future Earth's Urban Systems Transformation Plan at the end of November. Can you tell us a bit more about how we could transform our cities according to that plan? Can you give us a bit of an insight into what you're planning as much as you possibly can? Yes, I, I can. Um, we have we at Future Earth Australia have developed quite a robust process wherein um, we put together a reference group chaired by Professor Jago Dodson at RMIT University uh, and about a dozen, no more, two dozen other uh, leading scholars and practitioners in the urban sphere uh, who have overseen a process of nationwide consultation to inform this plan. Uh, that kicked off in May last year and we've gone all around the country talking to key stakeholders, quite senior decision makers, peak bodies, community groups and others about what uh, urban systems transformation or sustainable cities in plain persons speak, uh, what that might look like for their city. And the reason we did that was because we knew that each city in Australia is quite different. And indeed, even in some cities, there are uh, differences amongst them. Uh, for example, in Sydney, we have quite an interesting um, thing happening there where for a very long time it was Sydney and Western Sydney, so two cities, but now there's a shift to the city, a, a three-part um, city. So you have Sydney and the eastern suburbs and you have the west and then you have the southwest. Uh, and those areas are quite different and distinct. So when we went to Sydney, we, we did two workshops. We did one in Western Sydney and we did one in Sydney. And um, you might hypothesise that those results would be quite similar, but in fact they were so different. Yeah. <laughs> there were more similarities between Western Sydney and Darwin than what they were between Western Sydney and Sydney. Did you expect City. that? No. No. <laughs> no, we didn't expect that. Um, mm. And But it, it's in, an important part of the process to um, to do that and to pay attention as much as we could with our um, resources to those differences and recognising that the individual identities of places really matter for the people who live there. Yeah, cities in, in themselves are diverse. 
They are. Yeah. They really are. Um, and, and even within a city, of course, there is diversity with it across suburbs. And then if you come right down to the micro scale and look at a suburb, there will be little microcosms of uh, identities and place within those suburbs. So there, there is um, a rich diversity there that we didn't want to lose in developing a national uh, strategy or a national plan, 10-year plan for Australian cities, which is what this document is. Um, and we're really really looking forward to launching it in, in November. So, so we did those workshops. We did some interviews. Uh, we did a public survey. And we used all of that information and worked with the reference group to aggregate that into uh, this 10-year plan. And then we took the draft of that 10-year plan and held some high-level roundtables with very senior um, people from industry, government, um, peak bodies, and essentially gave the document to them and said, does this pass the pub test <laughs> for you? <laughs> and um, and we had quite lengthy discussions with them in, in those roundtables, and they were really a critical part of the process too in terms of not only... Um, refining the plan and making sure that it was as robust as it could be um, from an evidence uh, perspective, but also in terms of ensuring that we were delivering the messages in that plan in a way that could be understood by um, everybody because we want this plan to belong to everyone, not just to, to a particular sector. And that is so important in nowadays context, I believe. One focus, one thing I'd like to discuss with you is also that a focus of the Future Earth Initiative is ensuring, and we've talked about this in in quite some length already, that um, the con that we have to talk to the public and how much the public is itself active in climate activism. You work also on public disclosure of climate risk. If we talk about public disclosure of climate risk, what do we mean by that? Ah, so we, um, Fisher Earth Australia, that is, in the last year, have held a number of events looking at the obligations for uh, private entities to disclose climate risk, okay. climate financial risk. And we've done that in a fairly narrow sense uh, compared to other um groups who are interested in exploring this topic. So we looked purely at financial disclosure and we've looked only at physical risk. And the reason we did that was because we wanted to have everyone in the room. And so we picked a very, um, I wouldn't say easy, I nearly said easy. It's not easy at all. It's it's very complex. But we picked, um, for, for the relevant stakeholders, we picked something that was necessary to be discussed and something that wasn't um, at risk of being politicised. And so we went with, with physical risk and we had uh, a public event in Sydney and we uh, had representatives from the relevant government peak bodies there, um, insurers and reinsurers, banks, um, peak bodies and, and others in the room where we spoke about what it would mean uh, to have a baseline level of, of science to inform how entities who need to disclose climate risk could do so in a way that was uniform and consistent. Um, and that was quite an important uh, discussion to be had. What was the result? The result was that we need something. Um, obviously. <laughs> obviously, um, but we're not, not quite there yet as to what that something would look like. Um, it's, the, these are, climate risk is an important issue uh, for private entities to consider. I'm not saying anything new there by saying that, <laughs> um, but in saying it, it is important for others who aren't familiar 
with the topic and the space to recognise that this is something that is affecting not just the physical current risk, but more importantly, future investments and how we invest in in long-term assets now when in 30, 40, 50 years' time, the environment that that asset lives in will likely be remarkably different. Um, That's critical for securing the um, prosperity of future generations. We're talking about prosperity of future generations about and we were talking about risk. And I want to throw one last question at you, and I'm pretty sure you probably have heard it before. Should Australia declare a climate emergency? What do you think? So by by that, I'm assuming you mean should the federal government declare a climate emergency? Um, I think there's merit in doing that, and certainly a lot of local councils and others are on board with doing that. Um, Doing so signals something quite important to the public, which is that you're taking climate change seriously. And for that reason, it's important to, to think about doing things like that. Whether that's the, the, the thing that the federal government should do, possibly, um, there would be no point in doing it if there wasn't a suite of policy changes to back that. Of course, action up. needs to be taken. Yeah. And, and I think it's far more productive to focus on the action. That said, my sense is that the Australian public generally are quite um, not dismayed. They're quite disen- disenfranchised um, with democracy and with government. Um, certainly, there's a plethora of research by people who are democracy scholars that supports that. Um, and so making a statement like that, if it was backed up with policy, would probably go quite a long way. In reconnecting. In reconnecting with people. Mm. Um, In the same way that an urban systems 10-year plan would do that. It's the way we've designed our cities plan is such that it connects with people. They feel that they are part of building their cities. And that's really important if you want the public to trust you and to engage in meaningful ways. And I think there are some serious questions there for governments, not just here, but around the world even, to think about. Thank you so much, Tayana, for coming on the podcast today and sharing all of your thoughts on future earth and sustainable futures and cities for us. It has been a fantastic discussion. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. That's it for this Policy Forum Pod Extra. Don't forget our regular podcast will be back on Friday and this week we are going to take a look at tackling poverty. It's going to be a great discussion, so really don't miss it. And the best way to make sure that you don't miss it is, of course, to just hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts from. As always, we're also keen to hear your thoughts and comments on what we've talked about today. So you can reach us on Twitter at Apps Policy Forum or join the discussion with the Policy Forum pod team on our Facebook group. Just type in Policy Forum pod into the search bar on that side to find us there. Thanks for listening and we'll be back for more on Friday. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 